All right, everybody, welcome into debate night. This is a little bittersweet because this will be our final episode of the season. We are going to be taking a hiatus for the off season. We're going to have another podcast starting up, though, in this in replacement of this. Hunter, why don't you tell them about it real quick? Yeah, it's going to be called nothing else than the off season. The off season podcast is essentially going to be a hodgepodge of user submitted stories, topics, questions, and I'm sure that will lead to a bunch of random banter from all of us, all the different hosts that'll be on here. Um, it'll be super exciting. It's going to start next week on Thursdays is when the off season will come out. So. Be sure to tune in. Hear some funny disc golf stories. I've been reading some of the suggestions. Uh, first off, if you want to find the suggestion, you can head over to our Facebook. I'll also post it on our Instagram story today, so you can click to suggest and put your own stories in there. They can It'll be anonymous. Also, be if in the description want. of this video. Yeah, it'll also be in description. That's a great point, Brody. That's a good idea. I'll put it in the description of this video too, um, and you can suggest there. We've already got some very uh, interesting and funny suggestions that I think will. Uh, will lead to some fun entertainment for you all this all season. Know. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great to so make sure to tune into that this week. But for now, this is our final episode of debate night for the season. We'll be back next season. Uh, once things kick off again on the tour, but this will be it for this. So winner takes all sound good. Everybody winner takes all. Good. Yeah, winner takes okay. All. Grand champ. Um, all right. We're going to hop right into it. We have quite a few good topics arise from the tour championship and that final week. Um, and just kind of as the season has started to simmer down. So we're going to hop into the first one here. So we've talked about this throughout the year, but I think with the way that the season ended, it's it, it never really clarified itself. And that is the MPO player of the year race. We kind of, I think we all secretly hope this would present itself a little more clearly. Somebody would maybe win once or twice more, but it didn't happen. Uh, the players in question didn't really win anymore. And now the season's over. So I've got a two part question here. Number one, who do you think is, who do you think deserves player of the year in your opinion and why? And then number two, who do you think is actually going to win? Because remember, this is only a player and media vote. So it is going to be quite subjective. So give me both your answers to those Brody. Well, the first thing I'll, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on what you said. I think this is actually a good thing. The fact that we actually have can have debate over who was the best player throughout the entire MPO season, I think is um, exciting. I think, from looking on social media comments, seeing how people, there isn't a standalone person, right? You switch over to FPO. There's no discussion. It's not interesting. It was Kristen Tatar halfway through the season. Um, so I, I actually like that there wasn't a, you know, Isaac didn't win out or Calvin didn't win out to where they just basically like sealed the deal. And that was it. Also the fact that, we don't really know how people decide this. There hasn't been that much chatter from the people voting as far as the media goes on what they think is also, do we know all the media votes? Do they, do they end up posting who all the media people are No, or are they just like behind doors? It's behind doors. Yeah. Not a big fan of that. It would be nice to kind of know who's actually getting a vote here. Um, with that being said, who deserves NPO player of the year? I think it goes to Calvin Heimberg. Uh, I think that's a pretty simple one for me because of what I feel is player of the year worthy. And that is what did someone, you know, what did someone look like the resume from the beginning of the season to the end of the season? And yes, you can put emphasis on wins if you want, 
But to me, that's not what this award is. It wasn't just who got the biggest wins. It wasn't just who won the most. It's simply who played the best from the beginning of the season into the end. And if you look at everyone's resume, which you guys did a great job of actually posting, the only thing you guys left out was Calvin's 22 top 10s to Isaac Robinson's, I think, 11 or whatever it was. So he doubled them up there. That kind of just shows the consistency he had over the season. Who do I think is going to win? I think most players are going to probably vote for Calvin. And then also Calvin being probably out of those three guys in question, Calvin, Gannon, Isaac. Calvin is the more popular player. So I think the media will probably side with him as well. Yeah, certainly could could definitely swing that way for the voting. Uh, Dustin, what do you think? Yeah, for me, it's a three-horse race between Gannonberg, Calvin Heinberg, and Isaac Robinson for Player of the Year, uh, as far as like who I have in the, in the discussion. I think there was a brief period where Simon kind of had his name in the hat because he had a couple of wins, but I think as the season drug on, I think that these are the three that kind of separate themselves from the pack. Um, if I'm comparing Calvin to Gannon, uh, I, I kind of lean on the Calvin side just like Brody. Yes, I do think Gannon does have one additional elite win that Calvin does not have. So you could maybe make an argument there that Gannon just has more wins and, and thus maybe you tilt him in that direction if you value wins that much. But for me personally, wins are the most important category, but that's the only category that Gannon beats Calvin in and it's only by one elite win. I mean, if you want to throw silvers in there, that changes it a little bit, but I'm just going elites. But after that, if you look at the additional podium finishes, the additional like top fives and top tens, the average finish on tour. Um, you know, the fact that Calvin never finished worse than 16th and you had three finishes from Gannon outside the top 25, like the consistency just rides with Calvin in that point. And, and so I personally feel like Calvin wins that. So then it comes down to Calvin versus Isaac. And at that point, it just comes down to how much do you value the major wins over the elite wins? Like how do you like? I know that at times Hunter has kind of said that they're maybe worth one and a half wins or they're worth two wins. And so technically he's got three or four wins, not just two. And, and really that gets a little bit nitty gritty on how you want to weigh that. But even still, for me, I think Calvin's consistency reigns supreme uh, over the two majors because outside of those two majors, yeah, Isaac had some additional podiums. He had some other top tens and stuff. But I just think that Calvin was more consistent, had a better body of work throughout the entire year. So that's who I pick. As far as who I think the players will pick, it seems like I've already seen a lot of players piping up for Calvin on social media. Um, so it seems like a lot of players will lean in that direction. But I think the media might go with Isaac just because he won two majors in 10 years from now. That's what we're going to remember more than like the consistency of the season. Fair points, fair points. All right, Hunter. I think you might disagree. What do you have to say? Well, yeah, I I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Uh, I think Gannon, Isaac, Calvin, there's arguments for all three. Personally, I think between Gannon and Isaac, you got to go with Isaac just because two major wins versus three elite wins. Silver wins are, are here nor there, but um, I, I think I think it's a tight race between them two, but it really just it comes down to when you think of player of the year, do you think of wins or do you think of consistency? I think of wins. I think every week players show up with the goal of winning, and I think the player that accomplished that the most is the player that deserves this award the most. And therefore, I think that belongs to Isaac Robinson, mainly because of the major title. They're the most prestige in our sport. There's the most pressure on them, the most media coverage. They're the titles people want to hold the most. They also have more golf than your average event. Um, I know elite pluses are a thing too, but they have more golf and Isaac consistently won two out of the four of those. And I think two of them in a single season is ridiculous. And that's being overlooked for the sake of consistency in a lot of areas. And so for me, I think that player of the year goes to the guy whose season is going to be remembered for decades and decades. And that's a guy who won two out of four majors. That's a guy who is a world champion. Now that's a guy who is Isaac Robinson. With that all being said, 
the Pro Tour award will 100% go to Calvin Heimberg. It'll probably be a near unanimous decision. Um, and he deserves it as well. I think, like I said, it's just two different ways of thinking. His season was incredible from a different viewpoint. The consistency to do it from the start to finish. Always put your name in a hat. Always be up there. That's unreal. And that's a thing that 98% of players would love to have. The 2% of players that wouldn't love to have it are the ones like Isaac Robinson who had two majors. I think they would rather have that season over Calvin's. So that's why I choose Isaac. But I can understand Calvin. And I think that's who the award will end up going to. Yeah, going to be very interesting. I think it. Uh, it's interesting that, yeah, I think Gannon's name has almost got tossed out of the hat most uh, for most people, and he's the wins leader, which is just crazy to think that that's... If, if, uh, Isaac, if Isaac didn't exist, I would be on Team Gannon, uh, but Isaac winning two majors is just ludicrous. Okay, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a tough one when you, Calvin had a very special season, but it also was a what could have been season, five second places. You know, there was... There's a lot of opportunities. It is uh, almost just a bummer that he didn't win more because this could have been really something, but still, yeah, not really a wrong answer. I agree. I think the pro tour will, the award will end up going to Calvin. Um, all right. So we're going to move into some tour championship stuff a little bit here. Uh, we had a little bit of a uh, drama situation go down day two FPO, the tour championship People started picking up on a situation that was caught by the hot mics. Uh, they had whole 18 like live recorded on YouTube and there was hot mics and they started hearing some bickering coming from one of the FPO cards that had Katrina Allen on it, Jessica Weiss, Holland Hanley. I'm not sure who the fourth was on that card. Ella was it Ella? Ella? Oh yeah, Ella. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I misspoke. I meant Ella Hansen instead of Hall and Hanley. I'm not sure who the other player was. Jessica Weiss was there too. Jessica right? Weiss, Kat, Ella. Yeah. I'm not That's sure. Brody, your mic's muted. Yeah, Brody, also muted yourself. It was Jessica Weiss, Ella Hansen, Katrina Allen. Do we know who the fourth was? That's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering. I'm not sure. Not really relevant to the story. Um, right. But in any case, so there was a verbal altercation. We actually ended up, if you went to Reddit, you could find uh, the UDISC live scorekeeper kind of had a better documentation of the story. So there was people transcripting. Basically, what happened was there was an argument based around a score that Jessica Weiss thought she took. Katrina Allen disagreed. They counted. It was actually one that neither of them thought. Uh, Kat thought she had a 10. Jessica thought she had an 8. They ended up counting. It was a 9. Kat made a remark about her not being able to count after playing disc golf for so long. That wasn't taken very well. Some people say that it got to the point where Marshalls had to intercede, and so there wasn't a fight. There was clearly verbal altercation. We heard, You could hear that much. Um, so my question here is, does Katrina Allen, from what we know, and you can kind of maybe draw your own conclusions. Does she deserve any kind of punishment for the verbal altercation that took place on hole 18? And then where do you think that line is before fines and suspension should be handed out? Where do you think, how do you think this should be handled? Um, Dustin. Yeah, this is a tough one to be because it, it's kind of messy and we're only getting like a snapshot of probably the entire situation because this was on hole 18. So we have no idea what was going on throughout the course of the round. Like I had read some stuff on Reddit about how apparently like they had had some exchanges throughout the course of the round. They've had a history of having exchanges in the past, even before this year. Um, so I'm not really sure what the relationship is there or, or what all the facts are, I guess. Like we're only getting to hear a little bit of stuff that we saw on YouTube and, and getting people posting about it on Reddit. And we don't even know how accurate that stuff being posted on Reddit is. Um, so we have to be a little bit careful. Um, obviously, if stuff like that is going on during the round, we there is a rule in the PGA about courtesy that you can call on somebody if they're engaging and shouting and cursing and, and being rude, where at first it's a warning and then you start doing stroke penalties. So, I mean, that's always a power that marshals and players have throughout the course of a round to penalize a player if they're 
having issues. Um, obviously, we have seen in other professional leagues and sports where if there is verbal abuse or verbal altercations between players and fans or players and officials and things of that nature, that there can be fines that are, are thrown in there if it gets to like too severe of a, uh, of a level. Um, I know there's some examples out there over the last couple of years that have, have happened in some of those pro leagues. And then we obviously had the whole situation with Nico, right, where he had a verbal altercation with the marshal at the European Open last year, and it got intense, and he wound up getting suspended for a period of time. Now, I will say Nico's was a bit different because it bordered on the line of being almost a physical altercation. Like, he got in that dude's face. It looked like you you could certainly – I don't know if he was necessarily actually threatening violence, but you could certainly interpret it that way if you were just someone kind of watching and not understanding who Nico is or, you know, you know how far he goes and things of that nature. So I think that was a little bit different. This just seems like back and forth between players. And I think it's hard to to make a call on an actual punishment when it's as messy as this one is. And we, and we, when we don't have a complete story or a complete list of facts to go off of to make a decision. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if anything ends up coming from it. Uh, Hunter, what are your thoughts? Uh, from the evidence that's out there that we can actually verify from the live stream, uh, no, I don't think there's any punishment that's deserved here. I mean, the, the altercation you can hear on the live stream, yes, it's heated. Yeah. There's words thrown out from both sides that I don't think, uh, should have been said. And it was just a heated altercation, but it's from the live stream. It lasts like two minutes. It seems like everyone just kind of dissipates and walks away. And if that's all that happened, no, there, there's no need right. for punishments. There's no need for it to even be as big of a story as it truly is. But with that being said, if there was some physical intimidation or a physical threat of some type where a marshal actually had to step in as being alleged online and break them up and separate them out, then yeah, absolutely. There, there should be some type of punishment, uh, fine, whether it's a suspension, whatever. The suspension side's a little weird because it's the start of the offseason. So this is almost an opportunity where like the PDGA could like make a stance, slap on the wrist, month-long suspension for the PDGA from, for this offseason, and it actually has no effect on the end, of the end of the day, the season starting next year, to like it could be just a make-a-stance type thing. But I think the line before fines and suspension to get to that side, because in my opinion, I don't think there's going to be any repercussion for this, unless, as Dustin said, there is a lot more going on that we haven't heard about from what we can verify, though, no. Um, where the line is, I think that's a really tough one to just set a fine line in the sand. I kind of, I, I think these rules should be a bit ambiguous so that it can be a uh, situation by situation. Because if you make it too much of a strict line in the sand, there's going to be some that like it has to turn physical. But then there's some like shouting matches that never turn physical, but might as well have and could have the same type of effects as a physical one. Or if it's a physical thing, then you might have the situation that happened to Bradley Williams where he shoulder checked Matt Dollar and got a huge suspension that was blown out of proportion years ago. Um, obviously, that was backed by a body of work that led to that suspension. But that standalone incident, you know, I think that that's why it should be a bit ambiguous so that you can have Marshall's have the, these decisions be made on a case-by-case -case basis. So that's kind of where I think it should be. Um, I definitely think that the stuff should be put in place, though, to have fines be a part of this and not just suspensions because then people whip into shape real quick. Yeah, money certainly talks. Um, all right, Brody, you had a point from earlier. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll mention that. So okay. first things first is uh, there has there has uh, been reports or some you know rumors, I guess, not reports, rumors that. Um, Reports have been submitted to the PDJ Dis Disciplinary uh, Committee. Those are the people that are handling this. The Di Disc Golf Pro Tour will not be handling this at all. That's straight from Jeff Spring. 
So they will not be involved. If anyone does decide to do something, it will be on the PDGA side. I have, um, I know from one side of the story, I'm, I'm still waiting to hear back from the other. I know from one side of the story that nothing has been submitted at this point. So if nothing does end up getting submitted, then I don't think there's going to be any sort of suspensions or stuff. If something ends up, if a, if a report ends up getting submitted, then we'll kind of see what the PDGA does. Um, I don't know from the stories, I from the info I have gotten so much, and hopefully I got, get a little bit more, I don't think there is anything necessarily here for suspensions, for fines. Um, I would love to hear the examples uh, Dustin have uh, of players getting fined for trash talking or talking vulgarly to other players in other leagues. I think those are mostly when you have interactions with fans or when you have interactions with officials or maybe with coaches player to player, the line there for majority of other sports is pretty like Hunter said, it's pretty like ambiguous. It's pretty open as long as there's not any sort of physical. And I think the Nico situation is a completely different situation. Um, That was against a, a PDGA marshal and not only did he have an altercation with him verbally, but he then also basically, you know, if you use whatever words you want, but he basically like stalked the guy, right? He basically like didn't let the guy get out of his sight. Step away from me. Um, Step away from me. Yeah. Step away so from that's, me. That's, that's, that's hey, a careful. completely different situation because, yeah, again, it's not player first player. And then I have to disagree with Hunter and the fact that he's saying, like, this uh-huh. isn't a big story. No, this this is a big story. When else have we talked about this, right? We always hear and, and think about, like, it's not being la-la butterflies and, and cupcakes on tour And this is the first time that, and this is what I've been saying, man, the more media that starts covering disc golf, this would not have ever been brought up if we didn't have that live standstill camera on hole 18. If there was no camera there, you would have had maybe some person there that maybe makes a post on Reddit, but there's no real evidence. So it kind of just falls to the wayside. We actually have, um, I was going to say video evidence, but we have audio of this altercation. So we know it happens. We hear, we can hear what was said. This is a big story and stuff like this is going to continue to happen. The more media, the more presence uh, in disc golf, because yes, it is not all rainbows and butterflies all the time. And on top of that, am I surprised that this happened at the tournament where the money was the biggest, as far as if you mm-hmm. take a big number on hole 18, you went from potentially winning that, uh, you know, losing a couple thousands of dollars, right? This is what, I think sports is all about is the fact of like, how can you handle your emotions when you just like lost thousands of dollars? That's what we're true. Uh, It it is a, it's a lot harder to go along with somebody like potentially getting their score wrong. uh, Especially in that scenario when it could be thousands of dollars decided by you writing down the wrong score. (laughs) I've I've been called disc golf TMZ, I guess one too many times to, to take these as big stories. They scare me. (laughs) <laughs> no i mean it's a it's a big story because we've never we've never had Blow something like this we, we haven't talked no, about yeah, like i agree in the, that's a fair all point. year hunter, so. hunter wanted hunter wants to, to it to be a big story but he's just trying to stay away from the tmz accusations <laughs> yeah. he's he's been fighting the accusations you can only you can only years. be called disc golf tmz too many so many ever, times before ever since the ricky scared, contract man. man he's retired from that life um I, do people not realize what tmz is like no they, don't they just say it they don't report on the stuff that happens on the fields guys they report on like hey we saw this person holding hands with this person leaving this restaurant like this happened on hole 18's green yeah this is not tmz this, would this be is on like, sports center yes 
A hundred percent. Come on, guys. Come um, on, guys. Watch your TMZ. Like yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been on TMZ, Brody? Yeah. I hope uh, not. I have no idea, though. That's I would fun. say I think this, this would have been a much bigger deal, though, if had it have happened actually on the main broadcast. That like if they crazy. had been oh, on yeah. like a card. It's only a matter like, of time, though. With it being a live stream of but, like one hole, like a featured hole thing, like probably not as many yeah. people saw it. So it, that's why it, it wasn't It's only a matter of time. That money keeps going up, and somebody's yeah. like, this person just cost me $5,000. Yeah, it, the gloves will come off. All the, right. wrong, the wrong foot fault call might yeah. lead to fisticuffs. <laughs> I'm saying, dude. Yeah, with all the self officiating, it can get ugly. Uh, all right, we're going to hop on to a little bit of free agency talk um, because we were talking about it on Grip Locked on Monday, and UltiWorld always does a really awesome free agency tracker. They make it as accurate as it can be. Obviously, there's the information pool around disc golf contracts is like, I don't know, trying to read a treasure map half the time. Oh. It's It's incredibly cryptic, but... From what information we do have, there's a pretty insane list of potentially expiring contracts at the end of 2023. Now, some of those players may have already extended. We might not know, but we can speculate based on what the information is we have. Uh, and there is a long list. We obviously have known about Gannon Burr and Eagle McMahon and some of the really interesting ones, but there's more than I ever thought. So I had uh, our contestants refer to that list. And my question is, who are your top free agents to watch this offseason and why? It doesn't necessarily have to be the highest profile, but maybe just the most interesting stories. Um, and we're going to say this is not including the obvious choices of Gannon and Eagle because those two will clearly be the favorites, in my opinion. Uh, you can counter that if you wish as well. Uh, Hunter, what do you think? Yeah, so I'm going to kick it off. Uh, well, actually, I want to do two honorable mentions. I don't think either of these players are going to move, but if they do, I think it would be very fascinating, which is Vino Makala and Nicholas Antela, mainly because in Europe, they are very, in general, they're very synonymous with Prodigy and Discmania, but especially Vino's in the European... structured already. Sorry? Vino's I was told to go off the list, man. I was told well, to go off the, the list. list Vino the list Vino was with Prodigy until 2026. Yeah, he restructured in 2026. Oh, said 2023. Anywho, no, there's Nicholas Antela then. Yeah. Nicholas Antela okay. then. Uh, yeah. These are my side <laughs> points, guys. I'm getting to my main no, point. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get the real information out there. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's just a it correction. It's fine. It's I'm, I'm not trying to hang over here. Jeez. I'm about to change my what player needs to turn their life around to Brody Smith here in a second. But referring to this list. If you make it that far. Nick, yeah, that's fair. Nicholas Antela, I think he he would be interesting if he left Discmania because he's so synonymous in the European market with Discmania, but I don't think he's going to, so I'm not going to use him as my answer. The one I'm going to use here, I think Paige Pierce is the most fascinating free agent this offseason because her performance and kind of carefree, who cares about winning attitude pre-injury was already concerning for someone that's expected to be a dominant face of a brand. And then there's a lot of questions surrounding her post-injury as far as recovery and possible long-term effects on the game, both physically and mentally, because can she trust the ankle in general? Will that affect how she plays? What happened to her form? Lots of stuff like that. So I don't think it'll be interesting to see where she ends up, but I think it'll be interesting to watch how Discraft handles the extension, how long that extension's for. If details get released prior to this year, you would have expected her to get the absolute bag and a long extension. Now there's a lot of questions. And there's also, it's an interesting one because Missy Gannon's contract's also allegedly up. And so it's a weird one of Discraft has to decide what where they're putting their eggs, which basket, who's getting the big deal, who's getting the smaller deal. I think that's going to be a very fascinating dynamic to watch this offseason. I would agree. I think that it that is going to be very interesting to see. Um, Brody, who do you think is going to be fascinating to watch? Well, well, you also left off Hall and Hanley there too, Hunter. Hall and Tyler and Amanda Hunter. Awesome. They got yeah. all kinds of contracts well. up. Well, 
Yeah, I, I think I think Holland's a much bigger story than than Valerie. Valerie didn't really do too much this season. Uh, okay, and he, she's coming Hold off an injury I, as well. You paused whoa, me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. According to the list I was sent, according to the list I was sent, Vino Makala through three years through twenty twenty three. Prodigy. Keep scrolling up. Keep scrolling I, up. That's the list on here. I was just no, using the keep list. Keep scrolling up. They have an updated version. He's on there twice. They should have deleted. Well, that how first is that one. my fault? How is that my fault? He's on there twice. You did. Yeah, I don't the think you should be list. penalized for. It. We were just trying to get the crap yeah. out down. Sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I had him on my list too because I was like, oh, wow, it's really interesting because he actually is the most popular player in Europe and potentially one of the top five popular players in all of disc golf. Um, we just don't really know because we're in the States. But uh, I think Paige Pierce is a great answer here. I didn't realize that her contract was up. I think Hunter nails it in the fact that, like, what does I, I, I it's so hard for me to think that she leaves Discraft because Discraft has put so much into her, right? Her name is on Raptors, which I don't even know if those even like have, do we have though? Do we have Paige Pierce Raptors? Don't think so. No. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I saw her name, like her signature name on Raptors. And I mean, it's hard for me to think that they have so much built in with her. You mean, it's always a passion. Come on. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing here? So I don't, I don't <laughs> think she goes anywhere, but I'm with Hunter in the fact of it will be interesting to kind of see how they treat her contract compared to Missy's compared to Holland's. When I would say Missy right now, as far as like playing wise go, probably using Hunter's word has the most momentum going into next season. Um, I think Nicholas is a good answer. Yeah. Why not? One one that I think is really fascinating is Matt Oram. I think him being on Westside Dis, a company that doesn't really necessarily uh, ring true to that many people, I could say. You don't really see that much uh, fanfare. And I guess Westside Dis people, I don't know if you probably have a nickname. You probably do. You can come for me Westside? in the comments. Uh, there you go. But he, they post that YouTube video every once. He posts like practice round re- YouTube videos on West Side. But other than that, you don't really see much from Matty O. And he has one of the better personalities. If you go and watch the interview that we did with him on Tour Life, it was one of people's favorites that we did all season. I think if he finds... Uh, a company that is willing to put him out there more. Uh, that could be a really, really interesting one. And then um, the other one that, I mean, there's, I, I agree with you, Trevor. I'm not going to list all the ones until Dustin goes, cause I don't want to take his steal, but we should list all these names because I'm, I was shocked with how many people Crazy. are going. The other big one here, Aaron Gossage. And I'll say this confidently. Aaron Gossage is the best player off the tee. And I don't know if anyone is actually that close. Peter Green, Aaron Gossage is the best player. He's a beast. Um, if he can putt, if man. he can, if he can get his putting go- going this offseason, he might change it. I don't know exactly, but uh, he was so close to winning so many different events. He's someone right there, and his contract's up with Discraft, and it'll be interesting to kind of see. You know, Discraft has a uh, massive contracts with all these different players, right? They've got yeah. AB, they got Adam, who just had a great tour championship. What happens with Aaron Gossage this offseason? That will be very interesting to see as well. Gossage has a little bit of a brand. I could totally see another company wanting to make him more of a centerpiece. Uh, yes. Because he is super underrated. Uh, all right, Dustin. What do you think is going to be interesting? I know you, I know you love Matty O. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I had him on the top of my list. I had a few uh, that I, I picked like three for each division, basically. Um, I'm not going to like sit on all of them for too long, though. But yeah, Matty O, uh, definitely got to put him up there. I mean, this dude has been so good for so long we know second at worlds 2005 and has been very consistent when he has been active on tour he's been pretty consistently in or near the top 10 
uh, most events that he plays and in like world rankings, things of that nature. Obviously, he just got a first elite win, so we got a little bit of extra pop behind him with an MVP open win. As Brody said, the dude has uh, a really marketable personality. He's very quirky. He's very funny. You never know what he might say. When he does say something, it's always hilarious. Even if you don't understand what he said, you still laugh at it because he just gets you <laughs> like that. Um, and I mean, the practice rounds he was doing with Westside this year that was partnered with like, I think Ace Run Productions for some of them. And I think Gatekeeper did a couple as well. Those are all brilliant. And when he's on skins matches, it's brilliant. Um, if like, you know, Brody said, if you get a company, cause he's not going to do it himself. Like he's not going to go out there and make his own YouTube channel or be like super active on his Instagram, like personally. But if somebody takes control of that social media and really knows how to leverage it properly, the dude's incredibly marketable. So like, yeah, I do think Matteo, uh, I think he's likely going to get extended if I had to guess, but like, if someone can pick him up, I think he's a huge name. Uh, Nicholas, uh, I agree with that one as well. I mean, he's still very young. He's had a great couple of seasons. Um, he seems to be trending up performance wise. He may not be as big of a brand though, when it comes to like marketability, he's not in a lot of content. You don't really get to see his personality too, too much. So I'm not sure on that front, but yeah. Then another name I'm going to name is Alden Harris. I mean, he's actually up right now for prodigy. The dude yeah. has crazy clout behind him when it comes to the content side of things. And he's a pretty good performer as well. He's had, he's had his moments for sure. So I'll throw Alden in the mix as well. Now for FPO, I want to go with Holland Handley. I think she'll likely stick with Discraft. It seemed like she was leaning that way in some of the interviews that she's done. But she did bet on herself. She signed a one-year deal. And she obviously performed very well. She won throw pink and almost major. She had five additional podium finishes. She had a lot of other top fives and top tens. Uh, did Does some cool tutorial content on Instagram. Uh, it seems to be pretty active on socials as well. So I think there's still lots of room for her to, to grow both in performance and in marketability. And then, yeah, like people have already said it. Technically, Paige Pierce is up. Technically, Missy Gannon is up. You know, those are obviously huge names for Discraft. And then I'm going to I'm going to back on, on Brody a little bit. I think Valerie Mandahano, even though her season was short due to the injury, when she came back, I mean, she won Idlewild and had several of their top 10 finishes. She's still a fantastic performer in the sport. Um, and I think if she can be fully healthy for next year, she could be a huge name for somebody. She's definitely she is a kind of like, I, are you willing to bet on her type player? Because she's a proven sure. winner. No, I agree with that. But it's definitely uh, I think Missy Gannon, Han Hanley, more sure bets if they if they actually do hit the market. Um, They're also a little more marketable, I think, too, from, yeah. from it's, what it's, they do. Well, what about is, the, Holland, the whole, for sure? Yeah, the whole 18 scandal. We don't know how that's going to affect Holland's uh, sellability. You know, did it cross inbounds? Did it not? Um, <laughs> Uh, a couple, a couple names too that we left off just real quick because yeah. again, this list is is extensive. Chris Clemens, I mean, he's he's a top Lemonade. guy. He's a Bradley Bradley Williams. Almost, I mean, he was the only one that was putting up a test at USCGC. Also, has been close at a couple tournaments. Um, also, won. Uh, what event did he win? Was that two years ago? He won preserve. Was that yeah. last year. Last year, I think. I think last year and then you got the yeah. proctologist james proctor he, he did a one-year deal kind of like hey let's see if this works out he already i think he's with with, with who? TSA. He his with TSA. infinite deal wasn't listed on there i think that's the main deal because like clash yeah. and tsa like well all i know that he stuff extended with thought space with, for uh, sure with clash but clash isn't i don't know if i don't know yeah. yeah. it was publicly and posted then, that he extended with tsa i'll just say that but yeah but I don't think that. Yeah, I don't know if that he can do other deals because it's like Correct. a open bag thing. Yeah, uh, and then Gavin Babcock did one year with Dismania, so that's another one that would be star. Uh, interesting. To kind of see what happens with that. So yeah, Gianna Corbus contracts up. Legend. I, I thought this. I thought this <laughs> offseason was going to be kind of like quiet, and uh, it might Loud. not be. Yeah, it might not. Well, be. Well, realistically, last offseason should have been quiet. Simon like gave us something because like there that wasn't a ton of people up. 
Um, and then we also AB had moving too was yeah, kind of big. We had AB, yeah. And then the uh, the Gannon thing, like that wasn't supposed Gannon to be too, a thing. Yeah. Like that made it a lot of stories. But yeah, this year the floodgates are open. I uh, I also think honorable mention Macy Valadez. I put her in there too. Good performer. Yeah, and I think and I, I think the other Mandahano might be up as well, Alexis. And and something to something to take into account as well is I think the COVID boom, whatever you want to call it, when like discs were going nuts and everyone was able to sell everything, I think that has officially kind of like like this last season that didn't exist at all. Like the I think before that there was still maybe a little bit of a um, uh, a little bit of a whatever you want to call it, backdraft or whatever. This last season, this I think is kind of more of like what players are worth. And so yeah. that also is going to be very fascinating to see like what ends up happening. I don't think we're going to get any numbers this off season of like player no contracts. I don't think so, but it will, it will uh, be interesting to see um, just if there are, is there, if there is movements and stuff, because I think companies have a much better grasp after this season of like mm -hmm. what, certain players are worth and what players aren't worth. I do think if like someone signs Gannon or Eagle to like a massive deal, maybe that big. number gets out yeah, there, but it would have to be massive. The yeah. only way we get numbers is if Gannon or Eagle goes to somewhere like a Discraft or Dynamic to where they've already been proven that they will release numbers. Nobody... Yeah, but will they release... They will, will they only release... release like, I think also release numbers, so... That's what I was just saying. Will, will Gannon going to somewhere and being like, we're paying him $200,000 a year? Yeah, it, would have, like, it would have to be a lot of money. I would say... Yeah. I would say if the total contract value exceeds a million dollars, it depends on the length, too, but, like, if Gannon went somewhere and it was, like... Three years, Gibson, ten if years. Was, for a if million. it was three years, two million, I think they would announce something like that. It just depends sure. on it depends on how good it looks to them and what they decide. I hope we get at least some numbers because I would love to get a reference to what the market is thinking in player value because we just have no idea after that spending. I'll text spring. you off uh, off camera. Oh yeah, Discmania, Discmania just got that house <laughs> of discs money too. So. Yeah, dude, they've got that private investment, that private equity. They're about to drop a bomb. They're gonna also they're gonna Latitude needs a marquee MPO player, so I feel like they might also true. Might make a big move latitude's so. got that yeah they got that house got of money. money too yeah. exactly um all right speaking of money and deals uh, we're gonna hop into our last subject for rapid fire uh the pro tour recently reached a new deal with cbs sports network now to be clear that's not the cbs national broadcast network that is cbs sports network there's a difference people uh to the air four hour-long broadcast that's for individual hour-long broadcasts over the next few months showing off some of the biggest events from this season kind of like they've done before um they're kind of it seems like they're sticking to that hour summary almost like let's make the first 20 minutes of disc golf how disc golf started documentary uh type thing um so they're gonna be doing that start i think i think it starts next month potentially but um so my question is you know we've tried this a few times now uh we've done espn we've done cbs sports network I think the rumors were that, you know, there was no money even exchanged for these deals. They're kind of just like, uh, hey, we'll give you the airtime and well, we've done it. When Dynamic Disc did it, Dynamic they paid for it. They, they paid, paid for, for it. Yeah. yeah. The uh, Pro Tour, I think, the one they did, I think, was a no money exchange. But no yeah. money with the SPN. You're right. So in any case, um, do you think these broadcasts are actually a viable strategy to grow the sport or are they just not even worth the effort? Um, and if if there's money being exchanged, you can add that in there as well. Um but yeah, because we've kind of just been trying it for a while. So what do we think, Brody? So I'm gonna say if if there's money being exchanged, right? If this is if this is the dynamic disc deal, I would think that 
that money could be used in different ways to market way better. Like you said, this is not a TV channel that anyone can just pop on and watch. You actually have to have um, DirecTV or some sort of like subscription to even get this channel to begin with. And uh, I was just actually curious because I was like, I don't really ever watch CBS Sports. So I was like, let me just see what's going on in prime time this week. Uh, okay, so you have <laughs> at seven game. <laughs> on Friday on Friday on at seven p.m. on Friday you have the 2023 TC American powered by Skip Barber Indianapolis Motor Speedway. At eight thirty of the 2023 Pirella GT4 America Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and then on Saturday at three uh, thirty you've got the USF versus UConn game, and you've got at seven the Utah State versus San Jose State. This is a Let's channel. Go. go Aztecs. This is this is a channel that people aren't just like randomly like scrolling through and being like, "Oh, wow, that looks inc- incredible!" Like I want to watch that. Like you are a San Jose State alumni and you want to watch the game. You're like, "Where do I watch it?" Oh, it's on CBS Sports. Um, so I don't think if we're paying money for this, I don't think that makes any sense. If this is something that CBS Sports is like, hey. Our programming is super. I mean, they're 24 hours, so they have to have stuff to put on. Put on there. If they if they have worked out a deal where it's like, hey, we can just show your stuff, whatever. I think why not, right? Like that's that's great. That's awesome. But um, I don't think they're paying the Disc Golf Pro Tour, and I hopefully don't, the Disc Golf Pro Tour isn't paying them uh, because I don't think this is something that all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're on CBS Sports, and I wonder is like. Do people know what CBS Sports is compared to CBS? Because those two things are drastically different. So people like getting super excited about this. Uh, this is equivalent to being like, hey, it's on ESPN Plus. Like hundreds of events are on ESPN Plus every day. Uh, that doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, disc golf is yeah. going to take off. So I, I don't think this is a bad thing if we're not paying for it. But at the same time, if we are paying for it, I think maybe the money should be. Yeah. I would say it's a bad thing if we are paying for it. It's definitely the Pro Tour definitely loves the the pop that they get behind having like CBS, like the logo and everything, and it looks really good. But like you mentioned, uh, with the, what's on CBS Sports Network, it's definitely like uh, their I mean, ultimate frisbee college. We were on CBS Sports. Yeah, I, I mean, it, they, well, here's it, the real question: Is where does it sit in the channel guide? Is it right next to the other sports networks? Because then that's not too bad. But if it's all the way at the end in like the eight hundreds, useless. No, I think YouTube it's TV. I think it's in their whole CBS network thing. I think where it's is in it? Like YouTube TV hunt. It's YouTube TV is a custom guide. So for me, it's near the top because Liberty Football's on it. But yeah, it depends. Tough to say. It's how much you watch it. I think um, on Directv, it's in the clump of all those CB because CBS has a bunch. Like their network yeah. is massive, so I think it's in the clump of all those. It's a big factor, uh, Dustin. What do you think about these broadcasts? Uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of torn on it. Uh, just like Brody said, as long as it doesn't cost much money and effort, aka, you know, they're not having to pay CBS to be on the time slot. And as long as it's like minimal effort for the production teams that you're already salarying or whatever, you know, it's okay, I guess. I mean, I, I suppose it could help disc golf reach a new audience because the current disc golf audience is very much already on DGN or on YouTube or on streaming services. So if you're trying to expand to a different audience that maybe aren't looking at disc golf in those outlets and they happen just to come across this while they're watching something else, uh, then yeah, maybe you do happen to reach a couple new eyes. But I do feel like a lot of times it turns into disc golfers who are already a part of the ecosystem who just happen to go check it out on TV because they think, oh, that's neat. This golf is going to be on TV, but maybe it helps them introduce it to their friends or family or something. I don't know. So I could see it maybe being somewhat beneficial, but I don't like there being a lot of effort or money being put into it. 
Um, I think if it helps develop a relationship for a broadcasting rights deal down the line, I mean, that could be great. I just don't know that the viewership is really there for them to be able to make that type of move to actually sell the broadcasting rights to a service like that. Um, and, you know, I think the bulk of the efforts to the Pro Tour should really be on improving the experience for DGN subscribers, finding a way to leverage their viewership from Joe Meds and free broadcasts uh, to get better deals and to try to bring those people onto the DGN subscriber base, if that's really what they're going to put all their eggs on as far as revenue goes. I think they could also expand their own free YouTube content on the Disc Golf Pro Tour channel to try to expand more people to come to the DGN subscriber base. And I also think that they should be focusing more on a hybrid streaming model where they give one stream for free to help boost those live viewership numbers and then maybe put other stuff behind a paywall for those hardcore fans. And I think it's also worth mentioning, and this is something that I think Brody's mentioned in the past as well, kind of indirectly in some of his own content is, there's a lot of disc golfers out there who already know what the sport is, but don't know anything about the Disc Golf Pro Tour and are not a DGN subscriber. And I think trying to reach out to those people is something that needs to be more of a focus with marketing as opposed to these TV deals, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to know what the, uh, what the viewership ends up being on, on these, but I think it is like, uh, it, it, seven o'clock time slots, not too bad, but it still feels like it's like the, you hope somebody's like, huh, disc golf and clicks what on day it. Is it. Do you know? I think they were weekdays, but seven, 7 PM Eastern. So like good time okay. slot. Um, Hunter, what do you think about the broadcast? Like them, hate them. Uh, no, I mean, it's not, it's not a viable strategy to grow the sport as the question was worded, unless they're getting the airtime for free or they're being paid. Like if CBS sports was randomly like, Hey, yo, we need our Monday 7 PM slot. Here's whatever amount of money to cover it. Then absolutely. Sure. If the pro tour is making money on this sure thing, cause I mean it, at the end of the day, it's an okay exposure route because like I have CBS sports I'm not paying specifically for it. So I disagree with Brody saying it's like on ESPN plus because I have CBS sports, but I pay separately for ESPN plus. So it will be on people's TVs. Um, but you do have to just like stumble upon it and it's not on everyone's TV. So if we are paying anything for this, that's an awful, uh, that's an awful use of money in my opinion. Um, Cause there's a lot of other marketing things that this could go towards. And speaking of marketing, I feel as though uh, this show should have been marketed slightly differently to me prior to this episode, as I was making my efforts on my words and sentences coming to like a minute. And now that I understand we're going to two or three minutes, I have decided to use my filibuster here. Um, as my last moment on this show, last moment of the season to talk about the injustice that I have felt from Trevor running the show here, but via first, you know, can you, can you mute not himself? going to not going to a, a minute long when that was what was promised to us to where I just timed someone. Is he muted? All right. Hunter is muted now. Bro, my on answers the actual... were hella short. The first couple of Hunter, questions. Guys, That's all don't, I'm gonna say. guys, don't respond to Hunter. He's, he's muted on the actual feed. Now they can't hear him. All right, we're going to hop into our rapid fire round now. And Hunter, it will not be a part of it. Brody and Dustin are going to be in. So, Silas, so transition us into our rapid fire round. One, one thing we forgot to mention Buffalo Wild Wings could be a wild factor. CBS Sports, Buffalo Wild Wings, it's, on, it's in every single one. Wings, disc golf. Can you also kick him? <laughs> yeah. Oh, by Sorry. the way, Brody, to answer your question, it's on Mondays. Um, Mondays at seven. All right, oh, so we're work. just competing against Monday Night Football. All right. We need to figure out how to <laughs> synchronize our mutes because I was just, I like, I knew he was muted in the main feed. I was just getting speech jammed. <laughs> I was still hearing him too. I'm still uh, here. I still um, hear him. <laughs> oh, now he's muted on the veto too. Sick. 
Um, all right, into the rapid fire. Round. <laughs> I can see him dancing around into the, into the rapid fire round now. <laughs> hey, I respect um, him for that. I respect Brody him for and Dustin. The final rapid fire of the season. Oh, uh, three three topics, sixty seconds each. These ones are strictly Wait, maintained sixty or forty five. Oh, sorry, forty five. See, like I read all my right, script. I want to be clear before yet. I get wrecked. Right. Forty five. Um, yeah, Brody, <laughs> would you like to go first or second? Is it? This might be. Uh, this might be not allowed. But since it is the the season finale, I think if you allow it, Trevor, I think we give the people what they want. And I think they want to see a Hunter Dustin showdown. So I will. No, I'm not doing that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I tried. All right. Sorry, Hunter. We can maybe do a special episode based on the rules that he because he did challenge me with this particular rule set of not knowing the questions ahead of time and no notes. So I if we all want to do a special off yeah, episode, that's a pay per view. That. That's a pay per view. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. On the okay, CBS Sports bad. Network. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't care. Okay, so just you are going first. So I, I defer. Mean, I defer. I defer. So you're going you second. Defer? Okay. I defer. Dustin, you're going okay. first. So talk a little bit about award voting. Uh, this year, as long as Hunter looked correctly this morning, there is no awards that are being voted on using any kind of statistic. Everything is some combination of voting, whether it be from the media, the players or the fans. Um, so my question is, do you like the subjective nature of postseason award voting or do you rather they be more heavily weighted using statistics? Dustin. Yeah, I mean, I think the award should be as objective as possible. So I think you should have a list of criteria, you know, such as wins, podium finishes, top five, top tens, average placement at events, average placement at majors, and try to have as good of a measure of consistency and performance as you possibly can. With that said, there's always going to be some subjectivity on what you weigh more, like how much does an elite win matter versus a major win? How much does a podium finish make up for a lack of wins? So there's always going to be some subjectivity on how you measure those stats. And you're also always going to deal with issues of like recency bias and things of that nature. Uh, but personally speaking, I would like to see it be as objective as possible. If we want to awards to like really have merit, it should be based on performance. And you measure that mostly with stats. Fair enough. Dustin says numbers doesn't lie. He wants the numbers. He wants more. Brody, do you agree? Well, I, I mean, I disagree. I, I don't think Dustin actually understands what he's saying because you either oh. have an objective, you either have an objective uh, thing of where it's simply this counts for this many points, this counts for this many points, and then you just add up the numbers and that is the winner. If that's what you want, I think that's terrible. I think the the idea of it being subjective is people like Hunter has an idea of how much a major is worth. Dustin has an idea of how much a major is worth. Yes, we all are objectively looking at numbers to come up with our idea, but we're subjectively coming up with what those numbers mean to us. And I think that's what is fascinating. I think people think that different things. You look at like the Heisman. Uh, yeah, you can probably pinpoint most of the time who's going to win it in college football, but not every time. We get surprised every once in a while, and we see some first place votes for some other people. I think that's really interesting. The other thing, too, real quick of this, winning it, I have, I have five seconds. Winning it, there is no, no money or anything like 40, that. It was a 45 second time limit. <laughs> oh, things get hard when time limits get enforced. I thought it was a minute. <laughs> I said, I clarified I right said 60 we seconds, and then and then Dustin said, Oh, is it 60? I was like, No, it's 45, 45 seconds. <laughs> you oh, give him I his points back. Here. Yeah, Can you give him his points I think, back. I don't like this. I think I, no, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't listen Cut to that. At all. Please to be all fair right. though. Silas stopped the clock at 59.99, so I did stop. No, under I stopped a minute, the clock. That's what. Can I oh, donate Brody points to put us back to no. even footing? No, what happened happened. I am I am very strict on my my rules that I, I don't changed. Like it. 
Real what strange. was I? What was I doing when you were saying that? Because I don't even remember don't, that on another planet. I guess. I Maybe guess, you were still watching Hunter dance on your screen or something. It, it, I might have been. I, yeah. It pained That's me to do it. I felt like I was. I felt like I was setting off some kind of trap. Um, I'm I just hate, happy to I see thought... rules being enforced. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, just, I'm just happy rules are being enforced. Yeah, here. see what I mean? Like I'm, oh, I'm a very honest and and fair judge in this game, and I never change rules, and they're always the same, and I write them down very specifically. I've only been screwed out of three wins. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the next topic here. Um, Brody, you can go first and try and mount your comeback here. Uh, which player will have the most work to do this offseason to turn things around next year? Who needs to be hustling in this offseason, needs to right the wrong going into next year the most? What do you think? God, it's such a dark horse question because obviously, like, it's objective of what you think. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna go out on the limb and say... <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and, and go super dark horse pick with my player of the year, Calvin Heimberg. Uh, simply for the fact that he has now had multiple seasons where he's, he feels like he has gotten so close so many times. And I don't know what it is that he necessarily needs to work on. So maybe that's the most dark horse thing he needs to work on, but he just needs to figure out a way of how to win these majors and how to get it on the board. And so I'm going to go with him I think that's the most dark horse pick I could pick out of everyone because he is the best player on this planet, but he needs to work on the most off season. (laughs) Come on. Let, let him have it. Let him have it. Unreal. Um, I mean, fair enough. Stop the clock. I don't know what you want me to do. You were done talking. Well, I took advantage of me. Um, (laughs) no, no, nothing said after the clock stop was considered. Um, they, they love when they do that. Like, uh, the presidential debates and stuff. They're oh, like, please, yeah. please do not please uh, disregard any disregard of those thing. Act like you just did not happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Dustin, who do you think who needs to, who needs to get on the grind this off season? Uh, I'm going to pick Katrina Allen. I think that's an obvious pick. Uh, she was great early in the season, winning Las Vegas challenge, you know, doing well at uh, Austin and the champions cup, the first major, she obviously won the preserve. So uh, she had like a pretty good start and kind of early summer session, but from August onward, her best finish with 20th at throw pink and she had four finishes outside the top 25 and just did not look herself. She's clearly struggling on the result end. She's clearly had some issues on the putting green again, even though early in the season it felt like she really had turned her putting around and looked excellent on the green. And she's also confirmed herself that something feels off about her backhand form. She's not confident in it. So whatever mental things that need to happen to try to get comfortable with the form or whether it's physical stuff she needs to address. That's the things that I think she needs to be working on this all season because she should be a top player. She always has been. Fair enough. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely some some soul searching to do for Kat to figure out how to get things back on track. Um, all right. Final topic. Final topic of the season. Not really a disc golf related question. What was your favorite moment from debate night season one? Dustin. Roll it. Roll it. Oh, you want you mean you, pl- you want us to play the clip? You have a video? We didn't yeah, have the clip. We talked about this yesterday. I yeah, thought we I didn't realize it. I didn't realize you wanted me to embed it. I <laughs> no, thought you were just gonna show it. I thought, no, I thought that was unbelievable. We'll let Brody go first and I'll I'll send it to Sauce real quick. Okay. Don't worry. We're good. Uh, we, we, can, we, can, we can we can wait a little bit. I, I no, it'll see take this. me a couple minutes. Brody, what go ahead. What's your favorite what was your favorite moment from the season? Oh. I mean, my favorite moment of the season, let's be real. It's, it's been, it's been the, uh, the comment section. Uh, I think the comment section, reading the comments every single, every single episode, seeing uh, Hunter and Dustin just fight for their lives in the comment section. Uh, this goes out to all our, our wonderful viewers. All of our viewers out there, um, I love you all. Thank you so much for an incredible first season. 
I will say debate night starting at seven o'clock in the morning for me. Uh, we might want to come up with a different name, uh, but let me know on. in the comments what your guys' favorite part of season one is. Let in the comments down below. And then also real quick, because my time's over and Dustin's going to win this. This is a shout out to all those people at the beginning of the season that said they would come on the show and they never did. So if mm. you're Terry Miller, if you're Brian Earhart, if you're uh, Andrew Fish, if you're, I- I'm calling out a new guest list next year. Thank Let's you. get some fresh blood in here and uh, see what you guys are made of. Uh, Cause under this minute and 45 seconds, it's going to be brutal next year. Okay. Uh, Silas, did, did, are you going to be huh? discord <laughs> discord? I sent you on discord. <laughs> How did you do that? Dude, he has, it's like hand gestures and stuff that like starts animation. I will say, fireworks show. I, I will great. say that my favorite moment from debate night season one was by far Brody accidentally triggering the hearts over his face. Like here's the thing. I have a I couple have of honorable it. mentions. We all know who the people's clip. champ is. We all know who the people's champ is. Oh, it's not working. The gesture's not activating. Oh, there it goes. Oh, man. <laughs> all is, right, so if we can't play a, the clip, it's no, fine. Salas okay. is getting it. Salas okay. is getting it. Well, can I get some honorable mentions while I wait for the yeah, clip? Yeah, you can. You can. Uh, Robbie C. Uh, <laughs> making fun of Sue and not realizing that it was a catfishing situation and, and like just calling him out for having <laughs> oh, a fake girlfriend was yeah. a pretty. That was a pretty good moment. Um, and then also some of Brody's most impassioned speeches. Uh, my favorite one was when we were arguing about like Ricky Wysocki and what he would want more. And then I just remember Brody saying, you don't think people lie. And then he went on a tirade <laughs> for about 45 seconds. It was brilliant. I also so, liked it when Brody yeah. did the one V one debate and walked out to a song and nobody could hear it. Yeah, that was a good one. What that was that was a psycho. It won't go on. The, it will go on the feed though. Yeah. Okay. Then just play it. All right, roll clip. We can't hear it, but they can. He's the guy that I want to take down next week. He caught me on a little bit of an off week. You know, I had this shoulder injury going on. Didn't let me get fully coherent, but I'm back. I'm well rested. All right. ready Why is it so small? Yeah. Whenever he's back. He I don't will, know when he's he back, certainly return, and uh, that, that'll be a matchup people will be looking forward to. Several days later. Dustin is yet again our champion, our first two-time champ. Congratulations, Dustin. Anything to say for your victory lap today? Yeah, why don't you go up ahead? Pull that two box up with me and Hunter real quick if you can. Oh boy! All right, I need you to send me this clip. I need to look deep into this oh, man. So he's hiding. He's hiding. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. All right. You called me out last week. Be careful what you wish for, buddy. When you come for the king, you best not miss. Because look, this might be your channel, but this show's my house. All right. Oh my so God. why don't you go work on yourself a little bit? <laughs> Save those shoulder excuses for your horrible putting performance in your next <laughs> monthly match, and uh, leave me alone. All right. All right. There you have there you it. Go. There you have it. Now you got to see the clip. Shout out tech. Yeah, can you, shout out can you tech send guy that clip in the oh, Discord, Mr. Beast is on the yeah. episode. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> Mr. Beast, put it we in the thumbnail. All right, that's gonna do it for debate night. Dustin, you you are the final winner of the season. Uh, Brody choked. Probably worse. Oh my god! I mean, he's everybody needs those next he's season. He's the people's champion of this. That's going to be mandated sure. next season. Everybody has to have the gesture thing because that is so gesture. funny. Gesture. I always say that wrong. I get made fun of for it a lot. He's learned all of them apparently too. <laughs> going hard with that new, that um, new laptop, man. <laughs> make sure you check out. Make sure you check out Brody's Risk Stream. 
He's streaming all the time. Twitch TV. We're, we're going to do a foundation risk game at some point, whenever some you guys point. are ready. Um, and also make sure to tune in next Thursday because uh, debate night will be no more, but we are going to be starting the off season podcast. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to check that link in the description, submit your, uh, your disc golf stories, your best disc golf stories so that uh, we can read them on air, talk about them, discuss, have a laugh, maybe have a cry, maybe get angry. I don't know. Um, it should be a good time, but thanks for everybody, uh, for tuning into debate night this season. Hopefully you enjoyed more suggestions in the comments for next season would be appreciated. And we will see you then in February. Adios.